Behold, the family candy jar. How many of you raise your hands if you have one of these right now in your house? You've got the family candy jar. Maybe it's cookies, whatever. You've got some sort of sugary deliciousness in there. Um, Growing up in my house, it, it didn't look like that. It looked a little bit different, but maybe yours is this. And ultimately, what it looks like on the outside does not matter. Because how many of you know it's what in, what's inside that counts? Are you with me? Okay. So um, I don't know how it, went, how it went in your household. But for me, in my house, we had one big rule. Smaller rules, yes, but one big rule. And it was simply this. You have to ask before you take one. Okay? That was the rule. And it was really, really important. So I, I'm sure like many of you... I would go and I would ask dad. And sometimes dad would say yes. He said, you can have one. So I would go like this. You pop the top off of it, you stick your hand in there, and you pause. And the pause is very important because while you pause, you look over your shoulder to see if dad is watching. Because when he said you could have one, I inserted the rule or the word handful. Do you know what I mean? Like you can have one handful. And so you just got to double check, make sure pops isn't looking. And and Sunday afternoon was prime time because um, dad had the football game on. And he took a nap. So I could totally take one handful, and it was fine. Now, mom, on the other hand, because, you know, we know this with moms, especially on Mother's Day. Mom, it doesn't matter where mom is because she's got eyes in the back of her head, right? <laughs> Mom's in the other room on the other side of the house, and she's like, Steve, I saw that. And I'm like, how? Like, you're not even here, right? I don't know if she could hear it or what. But you would ask dad, can I have some candy? And he would say, you can take one. And every once in a while, dad would say, go ask your mom. So mom, more often than not, she would say, you can take one. But sometimes she threw a curveball. Sometimes she would say, what did your father say? And in a moment, I had to check my Christianity and go, okay, are we we doing this thing called integrity and character? Or are we... You know what I mean? Like, where, how Christian am I really? You know, as, as a seven-year-old, this is a very big deal, right? So I, I had this issue and, you're, you know, this moral dilemma. But every once in a while, every once in a while, you could double down. Because you could ask dad. And dad said yes. But dad fell asleep during the football game. So then you could go ask mom if you could have one handful. And, and mom would say yes. So the best thing is you go in there, you grab not just one, but you grab two handfuls. And then when you got caught with the two handfuls, you could, you could pit mom and dad against each other. You said, well, you said yes, and you said yes, and I said handful, and it was fine. And you guys were here, and it was no big deal. Really, mom and dad, this is your problem that you have to deal with. Now, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time. As a young kid, you don't really realize these things. But as, as I'm growing up and as I'm an adult, I realized that I was learning a very important lesson at a young age. And the lesson is simply this, and and you've probably learned this as well, but we all live better when other people are watching. You ever notice that? When other people are watching and your life is kind of under a a microscope, we live differently. We make better choices. It's like when we're, you know, as little kids where it's recess or you're playing in the sandbox or whatever, you start sharing your toys when you know the teachers are out there watching. You just, you say kinder words. You, you, you don't lash out in anger. You're more gentle. You're more kind. You're a little bit more loving. You're a little more obedient, right? Because someone's watching and you don't want to get in trouble. But, but not just for obedience sake when someone's watching. See, li- we live life better when people watch us because when we fall down, someone is watching and they can help pick us up as well, right? This isn't all about following rules and being a good moral kid or person, right? This, this is about doing life 
with people, being together, noticing that the people are in our lives and they're watching us. Because we know that our actions have consequences to it. And we can hurt other people, but if people are watching, they can let us know. They can help us. When we make mistakes, they can correct us. If you, how many of you, you've ever gone through life and you've had a question and you're like, I need to ask someone who is wiser than me what to do. Just quick, you've ever been there? Eight of us. <laughs> Fantastic. Praise the Lord. Eight of us need some help. Okay. Uh, but you would do this, right? You would ask them and you'd sit down, you'd have a cup of coffee or, or, or whatever it was, and you would have these conversations and they would say, Steve, I've noticed in your life you tend to do this. Why don't you do this instead? And it's beautiful because they watched my life and so I could make changes and when I fell, like I said, I could get picked up. And this is, this is a beautiful thing because we all live better when someone else is watching. And this is the whole point of our series that we call the now. It's this idea that God is here now, and he's watching, not so he can zap us, but so he can help us. He can pick us up when we fall. When we need wisdom, he can give us wisdom. When we're going through a trial or a difficult thing in our life, he can comfort us. He's very aware of what's happening in our lives, and this is crucial, because if you and I were to live our lives and understand that like God is, is right here, he's watching, he's right here, we, we might make better choices. Are, are you with me? We would make better choices. And the whole idea is that he is here. He's here now. By the way, he's in the room. And if you're streaming online, wherever you are, in your car or a jog even, like in your room, in your house, he's there. And that's really good news. And not only is he there, because God is everywhere, but, but if, you, if you're a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's not just here, he's here. And this is incredible because, because, if, if we're not careful, we can fall into a little bit of a trap. See, if we're not careful, we'll celebrate Easter and we'll, we'll know the gospel and we'll proclaim the gospel and talk about the death and the resurrection and Christ ascending into heaven and seated at the right hand throne of God. Like the beautiful, beautiful message. And, and Jesus, because we're Jesus followers and believers, he told us to go share that message with the world, to go and make disciples. And so we do it, we do it. And we're the gospel and the gospel. Do you know about Jesus? I want to tell you about Jesus. Let me, I love Jesus. You got to know about Jesus. But, we can be so focused on sharing the gospel and living our lives that if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves living as if God isn't present in our daily lives. See, we can, it, it's, so, it's so subtle, but we can fall into this trap where we know that God is alive, we know that God is everywhere, but, but not, not here in, in my life, in my moment. Surely he's got other more important things to do. Or, or maybe, maybe he's just an intellectual uh, construct or, or, or uh, the philosophy or principles that we ascribe to. We just, as for me and my family and our generations, we just believe these truths. It, but that's great, but, but God wants to do more than have you just believe a set of truths and principles and read your Bible daily. He, he wants to know you. He wants to interact with you. He wants a relationship with you. And it's through that relationship that he wants you to go and share the good news of Jesus, Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Do, do, do you see how subtle this can be? I, I ascribe to this way of life, this way of thinking, this way of, of praying. Jesus has no bearing on my everyday life, but I believe these set of standards or rules or principles or, or guidelines or truths. And, and friends, that's a shame. Because what that leads to, th honestly, this is a big deal because what that leads to is us feeling alone, feeling like, we have no one to cry out to. And what that can lead to is doubt, isolation, 
feeling abandoned. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about God. And, and friends, the gospel is good news here now for today, not just when we die, but right now. And this is vitally important. This is vitally important that we understand this because the whole idea is that Jesus and that God and the Holy Spirit are present in our daily lives. And, and, and that changes everything because we are not alone. We need help, as we'll see in a moment. So I, I want to talk through this because this is very important because we can find ourselves in this train of thought. And maybe you've prayed these prayers. God, if you, if you were just here, if you could just show me what to do, Jesus, if I could just see you interact with this person. Jesus, if you could help me with my boss or my coworkers, my spouse, my kids. Jesus, I'm so lonely. Could you, just, could you just show up here and introduce me into a group of friends, a good, strong group of friends that will be there for me, that will support me? God, if you would just do this, I, I just need you here so I can see what I'm supposed to do so that you can tell me what to do. The problem is, we settled with this idea that we think Jesus next to us is better than God within us. And it is good that Jesus is not here. It's for our benefit that Jesus is gone. So with the time we have, I want to walk us through a couple passages to reiterate this point. So if you got your Bibles, and I hope you do, if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Um, this is crucial. Did I mention the series is called The Now because God is here now? Did I mention that? Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure that you, we fully understand that God is here right now. Amen. Are you aware? Got it. Good. Okay, John 16, verse 7. This is Jesus talking. He says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So number one in your notes, it is better that Jesus is gone. It's better than that Jesus is gone. Can I get an amen? Okay, just checking. All right. Listen, listen to what else he says. Here we go, verse eight. He says, when he comes, he, this is the Holy Spirit, will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So I, I want to read to you just real quick. I don't expect you to take notes on this. This is going to be a shotgun approach, so just, just hear it and receive it. But if you write super fast or type on your phone, you might be able to get all these. But, but just listen. It is so good that Jesus is not here. And I know that feels weird to kind of hear or maybe even say, but it, it's so good. As if the gospel could get better. Like, it does. So just listen for a second. Why it's better that Jesus is gone? Because if Jesus were still here, we would not receive the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus didn't die, if he didn't resurrect and conquer sin and death, if he did not ascend into heaven, we would not have the gospel to share. We would not have the Holy Spirit here and in us and empowering us to go and share the gospel with other people. About sin, many people don't believe that they actually sin. They think that they make mistakes. They have uh, what my three-year-old calls oopsie-daisies. I, I don't sin. I make mistakes, and every once in a while, I have a oopsie-daisies or a whoopsie. What? The Holy Spirit, listen, it's worse than that. It's not your mistakes. It's not your oopsie-daisies. It's not your whoopsies. It's not your uh, addictions, your vices, your coping mechanisms, your lapse of judgment. It's worse than that. You have a problem with sin. 
I have a problem with sin. And if we could fix it on our own, we would have because it is destroying our lives and the lives of people that we love. And we do not have the willpower and self-control to conquer this thing. If we did, we would have. We are keenly aware of our brokenness. And if we're not aware of ours, we can certainly see it in humanity that we observe. And they're looking back at us. (laughs) That goes both ways, friends. We have a sin issue that needs to be solved. About righteousness, see, back in the day in the first century, righteous people didn't hang on a cross. That was for wicked, evil people. And the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 you have to understand who this God is and what love, what what he did because of his love. Your your idea of righteousness and love and all, totally gone. And then about judgment, you have the devil who is prowling around. And Jesus' death and resurrection defeats the devil and conquers the power of sin and death. This is huge. It's really good that Jesus did that. It's really good that he's gone. But I'm telling you, that temptation to kind of fall back and go, man, if Jesus were just right here, if he could just show me what to do, if I could just see him do this thing, do not settle or get drawn into the trap that life would be better if Jesus was next to me instead of inside me. This is crucial. Number two in your notes, the spirit of God is within us. The spirit of God is within us. John 14, so flip, if you're in your Bible, flip two pages to the left. Uh, You should be there. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives, what's that word? With you and will be what? With you and in you. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives what? In you. Do you see what's happening? With you and in you. Here and in here. Friends, God is much closer than we realize. He's much closer than we realize. Your prayers and your feeling isolated and God is some distant cosmic being with a really long beard and he's upset and he's just looking at you and he goes, Steve. Like just trying to stomp you out. Like that's not God. He's here now. In this moment now. Friends, he's closer than you could possibly imagine. He's closer than you could possibly imagine. And I'm telling you, this changes everything. So many of us, we spend all of our time going, Lord, if I could just get my life straight, if I could just do this, if I promise I will, I'm going to pray this prayer, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm not going to do this thing because then I, 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 just, I just want to feel your presence and I know that this is, there's this issue in my life and I have to work through it and I got to conquer these things and I'm telling you, no. He loves you unconditionally and he is here now and he is here now and he wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. I, I'm on this mission to um, call it whatever you want. I'm just convinced that the church ought to be full of just evil, wicked, sinful people, of which I am one. Because, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Because the outside world thinks I have to clean my life up before I can show up to church. And I'm telling you, that's not how it happened for me. I don't think that's how it happened for you. In my mess, in my sin, in my disgust, I met Jesus. And I found out a super important truth that happens to be true and biblical is that Jesus' love for me is unconditional. And he loves me and he wants to be with me. That's the starting point. 
Then we talk about works and righteousness and morality and all these other things. Why are we trying to clean up our lives, which we can't do because we would if we already could, right? We can't do this thing. Why are we trying to clean this thing up so we can then be in the presence of God? I'm keenly aware of my brokenness and my sin. I don't need you to point it out. I am well aware of it. And I can't for the life of me understand why the Holy Spirit would want anything to do with me, let alone be in my soul, unless unless Jesus in his great love dies on the cross. And I put my faith in that. And I realize that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then I realize it's not the sin because Jesus has power over sin. Then I realize the righteousness of God, well, of course the Holy Spirit can dwell. That changes everything. And I'm telling you, friends, for the rest of our time, I could just shut my mouth and we could just sit here and understand that God is here now and he loves us, and he wants, he wants to speak to us. He wants to guide us. He wants to be with us. And we would be well served to do nothing else than to just sit here and be fully accepted and loved and welcomed in his presence. Now, I'm, I'm not going to because I know that there are people online and in this room that don't, they haven't put their faith in Jesus Christ and that's fine. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks for joining us. I'm hoping with the stuff I've prepared and as we walk through this, I, I'm hoping that I can persuade you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and have that relationship with the creator of heaven and earth. But I'm telling you, if you do nothing more today than simply acknowledge the fact that Jesus is here, that's a day well lived. See, see righteousness and works, and good deeds, and loving neighbor, and all that stuff, it's very important. It's very important. But I just think metaphorically, if we could just sit down and have a conversation with God over a cup of coffee, we could just sit there and have coffee. He's like, I need you to stop focusing on the things you do, and just be here with me. Because Steve, you need to understand the depths of how much you are loved. Because you don't get it. And you keep thinking, if you're a pastor and you do good sermons and if you preach and you read your Bible and you don't skip any days, then somehow you'll be more blessed and more loved. That's not how I operate. I love you because I love you. This has nothing to do with performance. This has everything to do with just being in the presence of a God who loves us unconditionally. All that other stuff, it's important. And we'll talk about it here. That's point number three. But honestly, I have to pound home this point of can we just understand that God simply wants to love us and be in our presence. And all we have to do is stop. Just stop. You are loved. It doesn't matter about your job, your performance, how well you are as a husband, a wife, a mom, and a dad. You're single. You're married. Divorced. None of that stuff matters. You have a God that loves you and simply wants to call you by name and know you. And when we understand that, I think then we can start focusing on how we live our lives. So number three, the Holy Spirit encourages us to do what is right and good. But after the fact that we understand who we are and whose we are and how much we are loved, because that is the fuel that will lead us to doing the things that are right and good. And I put right and good in there because sometimes I have to remind myself that doing the right thing is, in fact, good. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but it is, in fact, right, and it is good. I see there's this battle that wages inside of us of, of um, am I going to be obedient to Jesus? 
Or am I going to choose like the selfish, sinful things? It kind of depends on the day, doesn't it? Of which choice or which option I pick. And I, I, I just want to read some verses to you and just listen to them and just kind of process and be aware of what the Holy Spirit may be trying to communicate to you. It's, we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5. And we'll pick it up in verse, uh, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Jump down to verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And when you hear that, don't, don't think salvation. Think literal, the kingdom of God. That list has no business being in God's kingdom. Not one bit. You and I, we cannot live in God's kingdom and have this be our life. It does not work in there. We cannot bring our sin into his kingdom. So I want you to think of it this way. Here's what we can bring in his kingdom, and here's what his kingdom is all about. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Verse 24 and 25. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We got an option. Are we going to choose the flesh or are we going to choose to walk in the Spirit? I would argue, and I think the Holy Spirit would argue, that we walk in step with the Spirit. Are you with me? That's a good time to say amen. I got one. Like, come on, this is a really good thing. So here's the question, though. How? How do we do that? God is here, and God is here, and he wants to communicate. He wants to lead. He wants to guide us. How do we do that? Well, stay tuned, because we have a whole series on how we're going to do that. But, but I want to leave us with just one question that we have to ask, and I think this ultimately will really, really help us as it relates to keeping in step with the Spirit. So here's the question right here. What would God have me do in this moment? What would God have me do in this moment? And, and this is better than the WWJD, like if you, if you have that bracelet or whatever. I, I'm a fan. I think that's good. But this is better because it personalizes it. Because honestly, we don't know what Jesus would do in every situation. And we're not Jesus. So we can't do the things he did. Don't believe me? Okay, imagine you're at a wedding and you're having a really good time, and then the bar's closed, and they run out of wine. Well, what would Jesus do? Well, we know he'd turn water into wine. Good luck. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like, you just, you can't do it. And, and here's why I like this question. Because, listen, listen, Jesus isn't married to my wife. Jesus isn't raising my kids. Jesus is not one of the pastors at this church. Are, are you with me? Jesus was alive in the first century, and, and he's not alive right now. now. I know Jesus is alive. Like, don't email me, but you, you get it, right? You're with me? <laughs> My circumstances are unique. They're unique. And yours are unique. They're customized to your life, if you will. 
And what's fascinating is that God wants to communicate to us and lead us and guide us and speak to us and have us move in certain ways that are specific to our circumstances. What would God have me do in this moment? This is a massive question because behind this question is the acknowledgement that God is here. And he is moving and he does want things for us. Again, not a grumpy old man in the clouds just disappointed with humanity. A God who is intimately connected to his creation that wants to lead, that wants to guide, that wants to communicate, that wants to have a relationship with you, with me, with humanity. So in a moment, the band's gonna come on up and they're gonna sing a song. In fact, band, why don't you come up right, right now? Um, and this will be perfect. We close our services by singing one last worship song. Worship song. And sometimes we can go on autopilot in church. But what I love about this question is, during this song, what would God have me do? What would God want me to think? What would he want me to say? What would he want me to do? What would God have me do in, in this moment? For some of us, it would be standing and it would be singing boldly and declaring the truth of God. For others of us, it would be falling on our knees and just saying, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. Some of us, we need to stay just sitting and just listen to the words and internalize the words and believe them. Some of us were so full of doubt, we need to sit back and the Holy Spirit would say, just, would you sit back and just observe my people? How they respond and how they worship with me and how intimately I'm connected and moving in each and every one of their souls. And if I could do it for them, I, surely I could do it for you. We all respond differently because we have different lives and the Holy Spirit wants to communicate for us. But if we're unaware and if we just go on autopilot, then we miss the fact that God is here now and wants to communicate to you now. Now is the best time for everything. Now, I think, is everything. And God is here now. So the question is, what would God have you do now? Because in a moment, we're going to leave this moment. Some of us, we're gonna run out, we're gonna go pick up our kids in the other building. And guess what? You just entered into a brand new moment. Now. What would God have you do in that moment? What would God have you do as you grab your kids and you get into the car? What would he have you do then? What would he have you do once you get home? Those of you who don't have any kids or you're not married and you're like, look, we're just gonna go party and have a good time. The sun's out, like, here we go. What would God have you do with your friends in that moment? What would it be? I'm willing to bet something on the list of the fruit of the Spirit, something in there, maybe to experience a little bit of peace. You're going to have an interaction with a human being who is stressed way out of their mind. And you have God, and you can say in this moment, you don't have to be afraid because perfect love casts out fear. You can have peace. I know your life is falling apart. I get it. But you can have peace. You, you can tell me anything because I love you. I'm not going to judge you. I'm your friend. I, I've watched you live your life. I've watched you screw up and make bad mistakes. And by the way, they're not mistakes. They are, in fact, sin. And it's destroying you. I love you. We need to have this conversation. And buddy, you're lacking some self-control because you keep going back to the same addiction. This isn't an issue of willpower. You, you need Jesus. You need God to set you free from this. Can, can, I, can I pray with you? Yes. What, what would God have you do in your moments when you're at work and you've got a coworker? I just stop right there. You have a coworker at work. Lord Jesus, help us all. 
we're someone else's coworker. We're someone else's neighbor. We're someone else's friend. And in, in this moment, what would God have you do? And I think, I think, for me, if I were to sit down and have that cup of coffee with God, we'd look eyeball to eyeball, and he would say, Steve, would you just slow down? Stop doing. I'm not impressed with your good sermons. I'm not impressed with your bad sermons. I'm not impressed with the performance and how often you read your Bible. I'm not discouraged with, you know, how often you read your Bible. Would you just allow me to love you? And can we just sit in that for just a moment? You are loved not on what you do, but simply because of who you are. God created each and every one of us, and he loves us, and he is after a relationship with us. Don't go jumping through hoops. That's a waste of a Sunday and a waste of your life. What does God want to communicate to you in this moment? And when we leave this place, the next, and the next, and the next. And I'm willing it starts, I'm willing to bet that it starts with, I love you. And from there, we truly live. So will you stand with me? And we're gonna pray, and we're gonna sing one last song. So Lord, as we come before you, and we're about to sing a song, God, what would you have us do in this moment? Would you have us simply close our eyes and and hear and receive words of truth, of beauty, of joy? Father, would you have us fall on our knees and understand the weight of our sin and the weight of your love and simply confess, Lord, during this song that we have screwed up and we are in need of a savior. Father, what would you have us do? Would you have us just arms wide open, just waiting to receive your love and to feel it? Lord, would you have us finally admit that we need a Savior and step over that line and give us or give you our faith, put our hope, our trust in you? Father, when we leave this place, would you have us run to people and beg and ask for forgiveness and admit that we have hurt them and we are sorry and we're gonna try better? God, what would you have us do? What would you have our church do? This is not about routine. This is not about tradition. This is about relationship with the God who loves and saves and frees us. Speak to us in this moment. Your people have gathered to hear from you. Help us to remove every distraction so we can clearly be in step with the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. And the church said... Amen. Let's sing one last song.